Amen. So, Lord, as we just wade into the waters of your goodness and your tenderness today, we ask that you would just minister to every heart. Thank you, Lord, again for moms, grandmas, spiritual moms, stepmoms, mentors, those women in our life who've influenced us. believed in us and led us to your heart. Just bless them big today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. God is good, amen. It's so good to, to welcome you. My name is Chad and I'm one of the pastors here and it's, a, it's an honor to see um, <clears throat> more and more of you comfortable to come and regather in person and for all of those who are online, you're with us too. We miss you, we love you. But yeah, let's just give the Lord uh, glory. You know, um, what a year it's been. Um, for, for those who keep track of that, this sort of thing, today is actually Haley and I's five-year anniversary as pastors here at Cornerstone Church. And... Um, So we've had, what's happened in our life in five years? We have two more kids. Um, <laughs> I don't remember anything else that's happened. So uh, we, we welcomed Benjamin and, and Ethan into the world. We, uh, I got a lot more gray hair. My wife is, is more beautiful than ever. Um, yeah, a lot has happened in five years, but in many ways I've, I've been on yesterday, I doubled it up two prayer walks. Um, but I just was reflecting on five years and in, in the ministry here and, um, all the Lord's faithfulness and goodness. And in many ways, you who are sitting in this room and you who are watching online, you are, you are evidence of God's faithfulness and his goodness to us. So thank you. In many ways, I believe the next five years are going to be, uh, not in many ways, in, in almost every way, I believe the next five years are going to be the best five years of our life in ministry, honey, and of our life in ministry here at this church. Can I get an amen to that? And as I was praying, if you, if you remember it all last week, we started talking about what does it mean to be a pioneer? We just really through the life and, of, and the story of Abraham, we are just drawing out some practical implications of, he's called the father of faith and to be a pioneer is to pioneer by faith, to not, to not be stuck and to live by only what you see with your natural eyes, but to believe in the God of the impossible, the God who raises the dead, the God who speaks into things, realities, situations that are not, and he speaks their intended purpose and destiny and they come forth. The God who speaks, and when he speaks and releases his word, Isaiah 55, it never returns to him void. But it, it, it waters the earth, it creates and cultivates life, it brings order, it brings beauty, it brings foundations for flourishing. That's the word of the Lord. And so, 
yesterday as I was praying, I think on my second prayer walk, I was just praying about today and thinking about all that we would celebrate and continue our journey with Abraham and the five-year anniversary and what about the next five years. I, as I was praying, oh, I would have been a good pastor if I gave you the photo, but just as I was praying, Lord, we're pioneers, we're pioneers. The next five are gonna be better. The next five, you're gonna pioneer. I'm just praying that as I'm walking and literally within 10 seconds, I looked to my left, and again, I could show you after the service, but there's a camper that says Pioneer on it. It was so, it was the most perfect time, timing. You know, I'm just praying. That's why my neck is so burnt. I was out way too long just walking and praying, and Lord, we're pioneers. The next five years, the next five years, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna see you do things that we'd only dream possible. And I look up, Pioneer. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I'll take it. How many will take those little kisses from the Lord, the, those little blessings? In many ways, when you're a mom or a dad or a parent or a leader of any group of people, you'll take the little blessings, amen? Because in many times, it's not mountain to mountain. It's mountain and long valley to the next mountain. Can I get an amen? Let's just talk honestly today. So those little moments, those little encouragers from the Lord, they sustain you for the long haul. And how many are thankful that he's not too busy. I mean, I'm aware there's almost 8 billion people, but he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many days are written. He sees you and he knows you and he loves you. He is the infinitely transcendent one who is other and holy and pure but he's the one who's come close to us. He's imminent, he's near. And we're in a season where we're believing the Lord is going to raise an army of pioneers. Those who do not suffer from a low view of God and those who do not believe the ever present lie that all there is is all that we see. We need pioneers today who see the invisible God with the eyes of faith and who live and move and have their being in and through him. Because all that there is seen with our natural eye is not all that there is to see. Can I get an amen? Hmm. And so, Lord, in these next few moments, we'll probably only get through another couple points. So hold on to your handout so I don't have to print more. I'll keep printing more. Everyone get a handout. If not, I, you can grab one or someone can come give it to you if you raise your hand. But, Father, in the name of Jesus, over these just very next few moments, I pray that you would speak and minister in a powerful and profound way. Help us to get through what you want us to get through. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, I left off and, and Abraham, Abram, he's still Abram at this point. He's not gotten a name change. We're gonna end there today. And then we'll pick up after the name change next week <laughs> and the following. But he's just um, passed the test. In Genesis 14, Abram was approached by a king who wanted to sort of be in on God's calling for Abram, but Abram refused to take the shortcut to receive something as a temporary means for a provision 
when God had given him a promise. And in many ways, how many believe that that is always the opportunity around us to take the easy road, to take the shortcut, to cut the corner? Pioneers aren't looking to cut corners. They're looking to blaze trails that have never been walked before. Everyone does that. And we're going to pick up, you can just listen to last week's 45-minute talk. I'm going to get right in. We're at verse 7 of Genesis 15. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. And it's this scene where Abram is called by God to prepare a sacrifice, to prepare the animals, to cut them in half, and, and, and God was going to enter into a covenant with Abram to show Abram that, yes, he's a pioneer, but like we left off last week, pioneers live with the understanding that the undergirding foundational reality to those who, have, who are called to pioneer, who are, who are holding on to a promise, who are seeking to live by faith, the thing that underrides and undergirds every pioneer is the confidence that they are not the sole or even the main actors in God's storyline. They are participants in the story. And so here's Abram. He prepares the sacrifice. Just go back and read it. The heifer, the goat, the ram, the dove, and the pigeon, it's all there. And Abram's like, what next? And then the darkness comes. Come on, it says that in verse 12. In a deep sleep, in a thick, and the Bible says, a dreadful darkness came over Abram. He's done his part. He's got the sacrifice ready. He's already left his home. He's on the pioneering path. And it's a deep, dreadful darkness and a deep, weary sleep. And the question is, God, now what? I love this in verse 17. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot, this blazing torch, appears and passes between the pieces. And on that day, verse 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Here's the reality. Pioneers are, and we're gonna get there the next point, and we're gonna see what happens when pioneers act on the arm of flesh instead of wait for God and walk in his promise. God gives Abram a front row seat that if you'll do your part, I will always do my part. And he's there and it's dark and it's scary and it's thick and I did my part, God, and he's weary and he literally fights off the, the vultures and the birds because the, then it's a sacrifice, an animal that's prepared for God. Animals. And he fights him off and he's like, no, this is my offering to the Lord. You're not gonna steal it. You're not gonna take it for your own purposes. This belongs to him. It was his offering. And just as the darkness, he has ever been in a darkness that you can feel tangible, thick. Imagine that, you're in the dark. There's no electricity, obviously. And this blazing torch shows up. And this is super profound. If you read any commentaries on this, this is a, most covenants are, are covenants where two parties enter into mutual agreement that one party will fulfill their side and the other party will fulfill theirs. But this is a one-sided covenant. God shows up and says, you do your part, I will always do my part. He executes his faithfulness on behalf of Abram who's left home and family and has said yes to the epic story of faith. This is a one-sided deal. 
and those who seek to be pioneers, which is just another way to say who live by faith and not by sight, who possess the promises through faith and patience, Hebrews chapter six. We have to begin to shift our mindset that all of it depends on us. Instead, we eagerly offer our part and, and watch with confident, faith-filled eyes that God's about to do his. All pioneers have to learn this lesson. If you're gonna live by faith, if you're gonna partner with Jesus in rewriting your family's story, maybe your family tree or your generation, there's gonna be those dark and dreadful nights. Can I get an amen? There's gonna be those moments where your gut's gonna be checked. Come on, how many have ever had a faith gut check? Is this really for me? Is this, uh, is this promise? Are you sure? Is it worth it? But what about, all of us will know the Genesis 15 reality. The, 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 the great contemplatives of the, the spiritual tradition call it many the dark night of the soul. Where you're processing, is he gonna come through in that thick darkness? But what Abram gives us hope is that in the darkness, the blazing light and torch of God will show up at just the right time. God will do his part. And so... We have to learn that, that God is the underwriter of the story of faith. We are an actor in it, not the main actor, but participants. Can you say amen to that? Moving on, all pioneers will be tempted, next point, to fulfill the promises of God through their own means and measures, but this always spells disaster. In the very next passage in Genesis 16, if you have your notes, you can read the passage later. God told Abram in chapter 12, through your offspring, I'm gonna bless all the nations. So the implication is, Abram, you're going to have a biological child through whom I'm gonna build a family that's gonna fill the earth and touch the earth. But so far, if you've read any of Genesis, you're ever in your whole life, you realize that Abram and Sarah are barren. They don't have any kids. Come on, somebody. And so here's Abram, chapter 12, the pie in the sky, faith pioneer dreamer. God's gonna bless the nations through me. But here, years later, he's left with the reality of his own impotence and his wife's barrenness. He's seen the fiery torch in the dreadful darkness that he can trust the God who keeps pursuing him with covenant, with love, with relationship. But here in chapter 16, no offense, but Sarai got a little impatient. Come on, who's ever gotten impatient with God, the all-patient one? And Sarah is like, I've got a servant girl. Let's just fulfill the promise that God gave you, and by implication, me. You sleep with her, because I mean, we'll do the promise of God thing, not through you and I, but through you and her. And it sounds funky, but just read commentaries. It is funky. I don't know. It's no other way to polish the Bible and make it sound less crazy because there's some crazy parts in there. There just are. Different culture, different generation, different reality. Amen. And so for 10 years, Abram's been sitting on this Genesis 12 promise. All the nations are gonna be blessed, but we're, I'm impotent and she's barren. This isn't going good. And so they reach for a shortcut, counterfeit, less than promise of God through their own measures and means to fulfill the supernatural promise that God wants to fulfill. Oh, I've just known this way too often. Can anyone else say amen? Where we think God, need, God needs help to do his part. 
Has anyone believed that? That God needs help to fulfill his part? Just need to help him along. And it's so significant. And then obviously, of course, Abram and Hagar, they conceive. It's Ishmael. And it's so significant. In the New Living Translation, my favorite translation for this verse, in Galatians 4.23, about this very episode, Paul writes, the son of the slave or the servant wife, Hagar, was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Let me say it one more time. The son of the slave wife was born, say it with me, in a human attempt in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Oh. Pioneers will learn one way or the other. They're not the main actors. He is, but we're participants. But as we participate, he doesn't want us to use our own means or measures to fulfill the destiny, the purpose, and his plan over our life. He'll allow us to because he's after wholehearted partnership, not robots. But when we do that, we actually short circuit the deeper work and purpose of God. Now, as you know, because God's promises are irrevocable, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, Ishmael will go on to be a great nation. There's billions, there's millions who are descended from Abraham and Ishmael on the earth. So it's like Abram had the promise, but because he listened to the short circuit, let's just get this over with. Let's get the promise rolling, God. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know that story. Let's just make it happen. Let's just change. Let's just do it our way, our measures, our means. God needs help. He's busy. He obviously gave the promise, but let's, let's get this thing going. Can anyone relate in your own life or story? But it was a human attempt to bring about the purpose of God. And hu- there's a way that seems right to us, Proverbs 18, 12, but it always ends in death, Robert. It always ends in death. Pioneers have got to learn, those who seek to live by faith, to fulfill God's purpose for them and their generation and the generations that are emerging, that are being raised. We've got to learn that God, that, that God has full capacity and capability and the intention to fulfill his word. So we know how that goes. And then Sarai gets jealous. It's just, it just spins out of control. She's bitter and jealous because she conceived it. And it just creates this conflict and this reality. And we all know that. We know when we've short-circuited a plan or a purpose of God through our own flesh, through our own effort. Through, we just reached for something. And the Lord's like, I, your story, I love this, praise God. Abram and Sarai's story weren't over when they did that, but it made it more complicated. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Because even then, it's a valuable lesson. It's not one that we have to learn by giving into it, but if we do give into it, the Lord is still able to fulfill his purpose and his plan. Praise God. Oh, I wouldn't be standing if that wasn't the case as a pastor, as a son. We're almost there for the end of the talk today. For the pioneer, failing to conquer our, help me out, Justin, our inner world 
will actually stifle or stop our pioneering progress. We must say yes to conquering the battle within so that God can conquer the world with you around you. And I love this in Genesis 17, one and two, after the Hagar situation, it's tragic. And she, God, she's the first person to name God in the Bible. He loved Hagar. She was innocent. She had, I mean, she was Sarai's servant. And it's an amazing story. Go read Genesis 16. God, she says, you're the God who sees me. And so out of this debacle, fulfilling the purposes of God through human means and attempts, God appears to Abram again. Now he's 99 years old. So he's older. How many know older don't mean wiser unless you start learning some lessons along the way? And he shows up. Come on, you can be 80 and not wise, or you can, you can be really wise. And praise God, there are many young and old who are growing in wisdom in this hour. Amen. But those who are wise among us know that you can gain the whole world outer victory, outer influence, but you can lose your soul in the process. How many know those who know that are the wise ones in the earth? Those who realize that you can have great success, but if you don't conquer the the battle, the battle for integrity, a life of integration and purity. The reality, I love this in 17, one and two, Abram was 99 and the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm the God almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And it's not that God for five chapters and almost 13 years of dealing with Abram, the pioneer, it's not like he's not said, hey, how you live matters, but he shows up at a critical moment after he sort of reaches to fulfill a promise, he shows up, he's like, dude, how you walked back then is not gonna cut it for the road I have for you now and moving forward. And he shows up at 99 years old and he's like, it's time to conquer some battles within, dude. Up to this point, Abram's kind of lied. This is Sarah, she's my sister. I mean, he's kind of had, acted a little bit shady. He's not obviously like any biblical character except for Jesus. Doesn't have a perfect record. But the Lord shows up to Abram and he'll show up to every pioneer. And eventually the conversation has to shift from, here's all my purposes for you to do with your life and your destiny. And eventually the Lord, because you can do all of that. You can cast out demons. It says in Matthew seven, you can perform miracles and do all these great things for God. But yet Jesus can still see you at the end of the age, Matthew seven, 19 through 21 and say, I never knew you. So pioneers realize that, that the greater conquest and calling is not to do a bunch of stuff for God, but to let God do a great work in you so that your whole life is now an expression with God, not for God. That's a good word. And so many are wondering, oh, I have a de what's my destiny, my plan? And I've, I'm 37, that's a question that's haunted my whole life. But eventually the narrative has to switch where we realize it's not just about, it is about doing stuff that brings God glory and using our gifts and reaching our potential, amen. But eventually the pioneers gotta learn the lesson that the greater quest is to do all of life with him, to have the revelation that he walks with us. And if he's walking with us, then we gotta walk different. That's what he says to be faithful, to be, become a covenant partner, be blameless. Oh, it gets deep right here. Walk, be, walk before me blameless and be faithful. In other words, you're lying in all of your questionable ways. They're not gonna cut it for the road ahead. It's time to grow in the revelation that you are walking before me, Abram. 
I see you. I'm with you. It's time to say yes to integrity. It's time to say yes to wholeheartedness. I love that after, look at that, the invitation, how you live, they ain't gonna cut it. He shows up and look at the very next verse in Genesis 17, three. Abram fell face down. Okay. Come on, that's our posture, folks. That's why we're an altar people. That's why we're doing it. We know that the task is beyond us in the arm of flesh, but if we stay face down in that posture of humility, surrender, that relational God-reliant reach, we call prayer. We call worship with the word. That face down posture is what actually qualifies us to do great things with God. That when we do those great things and people know our names, we don't lose our soul and take the glory like the Satan did, but instead we realize all of life is gift and the greater testimony is I got to do all of it with him. He's my best friend. He walks with me faithfully. And so we have to, if we're gonna pioneer we're gonna do great things with God. We have to cultivate a face down lifestyle. I, I like to say prayer is that God reach, that, that relational God reliant reach for relationship and partnership. That's the face down lifestyle. Amazing. He fell face down and then Abram gets the next layer of the promise. It's so cool. Leave your home, okay. And it just keeps going deeper. The promise in chapter 15, the fire pot. 17, what we're about to see, walk before me, dude. You don't understand, I'm closer. I'm not like an occasional visitor on your life. The covenant we're entering, this family dynamic, it's not you check in and check out. It's that you check out that I'm all around you. I'm surrounding you. It's the song we sing. I'm beside you. I'm with it. This is a bigger deal than you doing something for me, bro. I wanna do all of it with you. And he says, as for me, this is my covenant. Oh, this is so good with you, you will be called the father of many nations. Now up to this point in the storyline, in Genesis 12, you will be a father of a nation and that nation will bless all of the nations. Are you tracking with me? Through your offspring, singular, all nations will be blessed. Now he speaks and he he enlarges the promise, you will be a father of many nations. Everyone say many nations. There will come a time for every pioneer when we realize that our calling is way bigger than us. And then, next slide. The new season that God was bringing Abram into, God had to change his name. And in the Bible, if you do even a brief search for what names mean, for us, it's like we go on Google and what are the top 100 boy names, 100 girl, anybody, any parent? Okay, anyway, you still fall, you ask the Lord or whatever. But in the scriptures and today, parents and grandparents on occasion, certainly, names were not flippant. You named a child and that name became an invitation to discover the purpose of that name. 
It was a prophetic declaration. This is your destiny. This is your inheritance. And up to this time, everywhere Abram, before the name change went, he had favor. He had wealth. He was known. He was a reputable man. He, he was like a priest and a prophet. He had prominence. And, it, and, 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 and that's cool. I would, that's a pretty good gig. You would take that for a storyline, probably. Wealthy, well-off, okay. Hang out with kings, whatever. But Abram, when God approaches him and says, the covenant's going deeper, dude. We're going to see how deep it goes in a minute. And he's like, the name you've been carrying is no longer sufficient for the season you're about to enter. You, he says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Everyone say, him. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abram means exalted father. Look at that guy. He's so successful. He's so anointed. He's so powerful. He's so good. Oh, Abram's the man. But God wanted to take that exalted father and he say, your, your storyline, it's no longer going to be, look at Abram and all that he has done. He says, let me change your name to Abraham. Now you're going to be the father of many nations. It's not just about you any longer. It's about your entire legacy and family line. You're going to become a father of nations. And literally, if you study it, God inserts his breath into Abram's name. <sighs> Come on, somebody. Who wants him to breathe into your name? Breathe into your story. And he's like, Abram, you remember it's seven, verse one and two of chapter 17. You walk with me, dude. It's time for faithfulness and blameless and integrity. Falls face down. Oh boy. And he inserts his breath. He's like, your name needs more space. Ham. And God breathes into his name. He enlarges it. It's not, you're not just the exalted dude, super gifted, amazing. Now it's about your legacy. Now it's not what you accomplished, but we. It's not just about he, it's us. It's not just I, it's our. And God changes the storyline before the dude has even had a biological child with his wife. <laughs> and look at, I love this. Look at all the I wills and the I haves. There's five, one, Two, three, four, five. There's six of them in the next six verses, and I'm done. Seriously, we're done. I have, made, I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings will come from you. I will, look at all the I wills. I will establish my covenant as the everlasting covenant between me, you, and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God. Sorry, Nora, and the God of your descendants after you. I love you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside. I will give you as an everlasting possession, your descendants after you, and I will be their God. You're not gonna be the only one that walks blameless before me, but all your kids and your future kids and generations. And so God's like, a new season, like the, the covenant's going deeper, I'm gonna insert my divine breath because your story is gonna get bigger when you realize that when you walk faithfully before me and carry the promise, you're actually making a way for those beside you and behind you to walk on the same path. 
For Abram to carry the pain of the impossibility that he could never accomplish all that God is speaking over him in his own flesh, it only increases the storyline. They're still barren, but God doubles down and gives the guy a new name in their barrenness. He doesn't name him Abraham after he sends the Messiah to fulfill all the promises to the seed, Galatians chapter three. He calls him Abraham right here when dude is on his face getting a deeper revelation of the promises and purposes of God that if he'll walk before him, he'll walk with him and through his obedience, he'll become the father of many nations. Oh my goodness. So a new name, a new season. For a couple years now, as I've pastored here for five years, this is a significant weekend. Been praying about what is Cornerstone and what do I do with all these dreams and this, this vision of God on my heart and for our people and beyond, like what God's gonna want to pioneer and do. And for years, you can ask some of the team, we've been throwing around the idea of a name change. And a few years ago, about a year and a half or whatever it was, I was outside the coffee shop and I was just praying and seeking the Lord and the Lord spoke this name, Radiant. Everybody say Radiant. radiant. One more time, Radiant. radiant. Say, we are radiant. we are Radiant. And it's this idea, this name, he spoke Radiant Global, but we're just, we'll get there. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse five, that those who look to him will be radiant and their faces will never be covered with shame. Those who look to him will be what? They'll shine, they'll be alive, they'll glow, they'll be bright, they'll be brilliant, they'll be beautiful. And their face will never be covered with shame. The Lord, be, I know the Lord began to speak this name, this idea of being a radiant church. It says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy and blameless, washing her with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. And I begin to say, God calls individuals to look to him and be radiant. And then the blood of Jesus actually has made corporate radiance a possibility in this age to shine, to be brilliant, to be beautiful, to walk unhindered and unencumbered by the sins and snares of the flesh, to grow in that God reach and reliance. And so for years, this idea of radiant, I can show you old notes, radiant church, radiant central coast. God, when, when is the time? I love Cornerstone. I love First Peter 2, Isaiah. I love all the promises, but you're taking us into a new season. And so as of a few weeks ago, when I presented this name change idea to our church board, it was a unanimous yes. We are in the process of entering into a name transformation and a new season as a church. And I'm so aware, I've been around long enough. This is not just a new logo and a fresh name, a new sign on the wall. Names equal nature. And I know that this declaration that we are going to be and become a radiant church ready for the return of Jesus. 
even as we announce this name and this, these next few months, that's why we have the town hall meeting. Come, you'll hear way more about the question and answer, vision casting. But we are in the process toward with a tentative date of the first weekend of September where we'll officially open the doors to Radiant Central Coast. Praise God. It's a new season and God's got a new name for us. We will be and are becoming radiant. We are going, we are going to shine the beautiful love and light of Jesus as our faces are lit up with his light, with his love and increasingly by his grace and spirit, by his likeness, those who look to him will be radiant. It's a promise. And even, I'm gonna end here, hello. There's more, way more. Getting, I can't wait for next week again. Even as God meets Abram, he's like, dude, it's no longer about you, exalted father stuff. You're gonna become a father of nations. You gotta live, you gotta walk different. He falls face down. And in many ways that people have asked me, because we've already been talking about this internally for a few weeks, the process of a name change and, and just vision. There's way more behind a name change, but we'll leave it there for now. But I feel that call to be face down because I realize that the, the promises and the purposes of God are way beyond you. They're way beyond me. They're gonna need all of us to hear the call of God to step in, get on our faces, to receive God's fresh power. That song we sang, new wine, where there is new wine, there's new power, there's new freedom, and his kingdom is coming. So let's go on a journey, can we? How many are excited? There's way more, but just we're in a process to become radiant church, radiant Central Coast, stand on your feet with me. Oh my goodness. How many are excited about becoming a pioneer? Walking by faith. And I don't know what part of the story today you connect with, but I'm convinced you connected with some part of it whether you've reached and tried to do things in the arm of flesh, whether there needs to be repentance, restitution, you know what it is to get a promise, but then to sort of just let it get on the, the shelf and it gets all dusty and crusty. And it's amazing. There's 13 years that pass between the sto these chapters. So maybe you're, you've just grown cold. You don't even like, God, what is your, what is my purpose? What is your plan? How, how can I, when I say pioneer, I mean just live by faith in the promise of God. To be, to be present to his presence, to say yes to his voice and to his word. That's what a pioneer is. And I don't know, maybe you're in the chapter 17 like me and he comes to us, he's like, how you live then, it's not gonna be able to carry you forward to the season ahead. It's time to realize you're walking with me. How many feel that? The sobriety and the tenderness of his voice, but he's like, you walk with me, dude. I'm with you. I see you. We're in this together. 
But how many would say, Chatty, it's been a while since I've been on my face. I've been like puffy chest, proud, arrogant, self-sufficient. But I realize if I'm going to do his plans and purposes, it's actually going to require him in me and through me. So how many would say, Chatty, I want to grow in that face down lifestyle. It's just relationship. It's humility. It's surrender. How many would say, I, I could have some FaceTime. <laughs> We FaceTime my parents every day. I need some FaceTime with Jesus. But right here, you say, Chad, really? Name change? Like, is that really? The, it's the season. We're right here in the storyline where all of those promises, all of those dreams, all of those visions, God wants to change our name and invite us to have inner and corporate transformation so that we can carry this thing forward for the generations that are coming. Radiant people. So Father, in the name of Jesus, as we celebrate your goodness, we celebrate our mamas and our grandparents and our, those mentors, those leaders, those women in our life who've marked our lives for your good, for our good and your, for out of love and tenderness. Lord, we're, we're so excited about the season we're in and entering. And we just declare and decree, it is riskier to stay and to just maintain than, to, than it is to say yes and all that that might mean to your voice that calls us forward. And so, Lord, we hear your voice. Thank you that you are the one who shows up with the smoking fire pot in the middle of thick darkness. And you're the God that shows up 13 years later. It's like, I'm the same, but you got to change, dude, because I got a bigger promise for you to carry, but it's going to cost you. But what else is there? I pray, Lord, you'd speak to us and you would take us on this journey towards becoming the radiant bride that you are coming back for. God, we just say yes to the invitation to transformation. Come on, someone say, we say yes to the invitation to transformation. As you change our name and our nature together, we are so expectant for what you will do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, we all shouted amen and amen.